Well, good morning. I greet you once again in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's great to once again to be with you. It's always good. Man, I like it when you, when you show up. You know, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's wonderful. Amen. <laughs> we sing in, sing in his praises and glorifying the Lord's name. We, we invite the manifest presence of God to come and inhabit these praises. And we're just grateful to God for his presence this morning. 2 Corinthians 4, 13 through 16, it says this. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this, he says, is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people, the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God that goes before, that is reaching more and more people, it says, that it may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. God is reaching people. He's reaching out and drawing people in. And because of that, we should overflow with the glory of God. Amen? I believe today that we all, that, that all that we experience in Christ, that everything that we experience in Christ in our lives, the good, the challenging, the pain of affliction, or the height of enjoyment, it's all to bring glory and honor to the Lord. Potentially it can do that. And that as we speak and as we put ourselves out there for the cause of Christ, that, that His grace is reaching out to others. It's drawing people in. It's saving people from the, the snares of the enemy. Do you believe that the enemy has snares for us? He, he does, and, and, and this grace is reaching out, and it's reaching people and taking them from the snares of the enemy so that our, our thanksgiving, all of us giving thanks to God, our thanksgiving that, we, that, 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 it, that, that it's overflowing out of our lives. I, I guess I feel like if I squint and, and grunt, it, it'll be more of that. It, it's, it's God's reaching people, and he's drawn them in, and he's saving them from what afflicts them, from the things that snare them. As that happens, we are to overflow with the glory of God. Amen. Uh, I won't say it a third time, <laughs> but it's just good. It's the good stuff that comes out that we can't help it. Today, we move from our uh, to week two of our series of Get Real. Oh, Get Real. I keep hearing your dad in there, just Get Real. But that's not the Get Real that we're talking about. Real is an acronym for how we as followers of Jesus are to be. We're, we're to be relevant. We're to be engaging, authentic, and life-giving followers of Jesus Christ. That's what we ought to be uh, out in the world that we, that we go out into each and every, every week. Last week, we looked at relevant fishing, had some of those ideas that we are to, number one, put bait on our hooks. Some of us may not like that kind of imagery because maybe we don't like fishing or maybe we just don't like the idea of kind of setting something up to, to reach somebody. We just like it to happen naturally. But, but the word kind of tells us we should be ready in all seasons, that we should put bait on our hooks and that our story, our own personal stories are the bait that we put on the hook because people are hungry for what God has to offer them. They are. And if you ever saw the little spinner in, in the water, you'd want to bite it too. It's just so, it's so appetizing. The fish can't stand it. It says, come on, come on, and, and uh, we got to put bait on our hooks. 
And then number two, we're to put our hooks in the water because if we put bait on our hooks and we never throw them in the water, we're going to keep catching what we've always caught with the rod sitting in the garage at home. Nothing, nothing will be caught unless our hooks are put in the water, that we, that we share our stories, our God stories uh, with others. Uh, how will they who are lost find the way to the way if we never tell our own stories of how we came to faith in Christ? How will they ever know? come to know him, we must put our baited hooks into the water, into our own sphere of influence that we have in the world that we live as we go out and about and we mingle with other people. We're to take that influence and use it, put our baited hooks in the water to reach the lost and hurting of our community and our world. Tehachapi flat out needs us, by the way. Tehachapi needs us. Are we special? Yeah. In Christ, and to hatch me needs what we have to offer. And then number three, we're, we must fish where there are fish. So don't go out in the middle of the desert and try and reach somebody. I mean, unless you live there, like Maggie out in Sand Canyon. If you live there, you know, you, that's okay to go out there. But, but we don't go out in the middle of nowhere to, to reach somebody. We, we go, we put our hooks in the water, and, and that's where we share our, our God stories with others. That we fish where we are, where there are fish. They live next door to us. They, they're at the grocery store and they're in, the, in that bed next to us in the hospital. They're, they're anywhere that we go today as we live out naturally our lives in Christ. We have an influence in this community. We just do. It's going to happen as you go out. Some might feel that their story just isn't big enough. That's just, I don't have that big, amazing story of God plucking me just at the last minute out of the snare and grips of, of the enemy. And, but you, you don't have to. You just have to have your story. And that's fishing where fish are. You take your story out to where the people are that we might tell it to someone that, it, that he is preparing for us to come into contact with. You know, he's doing that. You might meet somebody tomorrow. And it may not be for a year that they think of you again. It might not be for a year and a half that they may not think of you again and they'll think, hey, I remember that person. Maybe they can help me. And they'll reach out to you. There's someone that you'll be coming into contact with that needs to hear from you what God has done in your life. That's fishing where there are fish. Today we move to week two of our Get Real series, and it's called Engaged Follower or Engaged Followers or Engaged Influencers. Here's a question for us today. How engaged are you in the lives of others? You say, well, I'm retired. That's okay. <clears throat> you're probably still hanging out with people somewhere. Well, I'm pretty busy. That's okay. The busier you are, the more people you're coming into contact with. How are you engaged in the lives of others? What influence do you have in those that are around you that you come into contact with each and every week? Wherever you may be traveling or going to, there's people that you come into contact with. What kind of impact do you bring upon the lives of those within your sphere of influence? This is not a negative. It's not to, to be you up or to say what's the matter with you it's to say that everywhere we go every each and every week that we live we're coming into contact with people who are like I don't know how to find what I'm looking for and it just so happens that we have a story to put in that water we have a baited hook to put in the water that they need to hear in our text this morning Jesus is calling us to be something he wants us to be something he don't want us just to to come to church on Sunday only Please keep doing that. But that's not all that 
he wants us to do. He wants us to become something, to, to be something, to, to bring something to a world that's hurting, that needs to know that there's a way forward, a way that will answer the eternal question of God's created, the question of what is it all about and, and why am I here? Uh, it seems random and it seems like there's no purpose and I need to answer that question and we try and answer that question with so many things in our lives and, and all of us can probably attest to that. The things that we were seeking God over, we didn't maybe think of it as seeking God. We were just trying to be happy, to be at peace and to, to find our way forward. Jesus wants us to have an impact on those that he loves and gave his life for, and we are to engage and to be influencers of those who have not yet turned to God. And reading from the Word this morning, I direct your attention to Matthew uh, 5, and we're going to do 13 through 16. I'm not going to probably, I'm not going to go 16 to 18, so 13 uh, through 16, which I believe is on the overhead. We'll see how this works out. But uh, uh, let's stand for the reading of God's word this morning. We're also going to go to John 8, 12. And it says this in Matthew 5, 13 through 16. It says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be salt made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And then John eight twelve it says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said this. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father, we're grateful for your word once again. Open our hearts to it, Lord, uh, and may we be challenged, Lord, to become something, to become what you need us to be in this darkened world, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, there was a couple, a Minneapolis couple. And they decided to go to Florida to thaw out. We can't fathom it right now, can we? It's just a little warm out there, and it's still beautiful up here. You have to go to Riverside or to Mojave to really understand what that's feeling like right now. But this Minneapolis couple, they decided to go to Florida and thaw out during a particularly icy winter. And they planned to stay at the same hotel where they spent their honeymoon 20 years earlier Aw, wouldn't that be great? We need to do that sometime, honey. We, did we have a honeymoon? Uh, a year later, right? We went to Tantara in Missouri, but that was a year later. Uh, but, but they were going to go, and they wanted to stay in the same place that they had been married, and they had their honeymoon 20 years earlier. But because of their hectic schedules, it was difficult to coordinate their travel schedules. So the husband left Minnesota and flew to Florida on a Thursday with his wife flying down the following day. Now, now, the husband, he checked into the hotel, and there, were computer, there was a computer in the room. So he thought, hey, I'll, I'll send my wife a, an email and let her know uh, that I, I made it here. So, uh, but, but the problem was that he accidentally left off one letter in her email address. Yeah. And without realizing his error, he sent the email. Meanwhile, somewhere in Houston... A widow had just returned home from her husband's funeral. Now you're starting to get there. You know, first, first service, they got there a little sooner. But you see, he was a minister 
who was called home to glory following a heart attack, well, the widow decided to check her email expecting messages from her family and friends. And after reading the first message, she, she screamed and fainted. And uh, the widow's son, she rushed into the, he rushed into the room and found his mother on the floor, passed out. And he looked at the computer, which read this. In, in the to and subject line, it said, To my loving wife, I've arrived and the date said March 2nd, 2009. He says, I know you're, su-, in the body of the email, it says, I know that you're surprised to hear from me. <laughs> they have computers here now. <laughs> and you are allowed to send emails to your loved ones. <laughs> I've just arrived and have been checked in. I've seen that everything has been prepared for your arrival tomorrow. (laughs) Looking forward to seeing you then. Hope your journey is as uneventful as mine was. P.S. Sure is stinking hot down here. Just one letter in the email address. Friday night, uh, it was getting late, and it was time for us to go to bed, and uh, we we laid down, and uh, I think finally, maybe, I think we turned the TV off and all this stuff, and I was just about, you know how you're at the edge, and it's just getting ready to happen, and all of a sudden, our our smoke detectors, all over the house started going off. And, of course, we <laughs> woke up startled, and, and we ran around, and, and uh, I thought, well, I, how do I get this to stop? And, and so I got a ladder out, and, and I, the one I heard going off the most, I pushed the button, and it chirped a couple times. And then we stood there and stared at it for just a little bit, didn't we? And we thought, you know, hmm, hmm, wonder what that's about. And uh, went back to Randolyn's room, and, and she was, like, freaking out, too. Like, what is going on? And I said, I don't know, and I think it's a battery. You know how if the batteries get low. And, and so um, went back to our room, and it seemed, we, you know, you stand there long enough and think, well, it's, okay, it quit. So it's just a fluke, right? So we went back to bed, and just about, this is now midnight, past midnight. We're just, I can just feel it getting ready to go into that. REM, right? You know, not the group, not the group, just, uh, and it goes off again. And, and, and I thought, oh man, and you wake up mad. There could be a fire in the kitchen. You don't care. I'm mad. It's waking me up now. And we went running around and, and I, I ran to the back room and there were two more. There's one in every room. And I got the ladder and I took them on my, I, un, I didn't unplug, I pulled the batteries and, and pressed the buttons and they chirped three times. And then it was like, okay, all right. And Randolyn is now, what are you going to do about this? I said, well, I'm doing what I know how to do. I took the batteries out. Leave me alone. Take care of your five-month-old chocolate Labrador is what you need to be doing. And we lay down again. And now it's almost 1 a.m. Just getting ready to go off again. And they all go screaming again. This time I ran down the hall and unplugged every one of them and took them out. I said, I'll burn to death before I don't sleep. just one little battery. Apparently, you got to have good batteries in these things or they get confused. And, you know, one little letter in the email 
One little battery. You can't leave it out. You can't let it go or it's going to it's going to wake you up. You see it's important that we not leave letters out of email addresses, email addresses or or batteries out of uh, smoke detectors. You know, the consequences can be catastrophic. And for each of us, for the sake of others, it's important that we don't leave salt out of the Christian diet. Salt is important in the life of the Christian and, and what it means. And for each of us, for the sake of others, we are becoming something. We, we are becoming something that God wants us to become, something that Jesus is in Sermon on the Mount. He equated to salt and to light, something that we need to become. So the first thing that I want you to see today is that you are salt. Just lick the top of your hand. You'll find it to be true. You are you and I are to be something that brings flavor and that preserves. Did you know that each one of us are about 0.04% of our entire body is salt? I asked the doctor this morning that. I said, is that right? And he just stared at me. I said, just go like this because I, I read it somewhere and I believe it, right? It was on the Internet, right? We're, we're all 0.04% salt. That means if, if you weigh 125 pounds, if you step on the scales and it says 125 pounds, it, you have about 45 tables or teaspoons, don't get that wrong, 45 teaspoons of salt in who you are, in your body. Just think about that for a minute. 45 tablespoons of salt that is in you. If you're 125, some of us are going, I wish I was 125, yeah. But, but now, if you weigh 200 pounds, as some of us do, then you have about 75 teaspoons of salt in your body. Can you imagine that? How would you like to feel like you don't have any and you need to make up for lost time? Ooh. And Jesus said that you are salt. And we truly do have salt within us. And obviously, that's what he's talking about, right? No. He's using salt in a different way here. Jesus was talking about the salt as an influence, uh, an engaging influence in this world. Salt is mentioned in God's word probably more than you might even think. When speaking of salt, basically we usually were taken to the scripture here in Matthew. But surprisingly to some in the Old Testament, when you gave a sacrifice, when there were sacrifices that were made, you had to, you had to season every sacrifice with salt. And as we know that in the Old Testament, everything represents something to us. And in, the reading, in reading some of these scriptures, we can find that these salt references, they represent something for us that might help us today. Le Leviticus 2.13, it says this, And every offering of your grain offering you shall season with salt. You shall not allow the salt of the covenant of your God to be lacking from your grain offering. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. Numbers 18, 19 says, All the heave offerings of the holy things which the children of Israel offer to the Lord, I have given to you and your sons and daughters with you as an ordinance forever. An ordinance forever. It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord with you and your descendants with you. So why is God instituting this? Why is he saying this to those in the Old Testament? What do we draw? What does it represent for us after Jesus in the day that we live? You see, here's the idea. Salt preserves. 
You know, there's nothing that lasts longer in my refrigerator than bacon. Thank you, Lord. Amen, right? It's, been, it's got preservatives in there. It preserves it. Salt is symbolic of eternity. Now, don't plan on your bacon lasting for eternity, but, but salt is symbolic of eternity. It's symbolic of causing something to continue or to last. He, he, God, calls, he call, God calls it a covenant of salt because he says, I'm going to preserve you. I'm going to preserve you, my people, through this covenant of salt. It's symbolic that he wants to preserve us. In the day that we live in in theological circles, you might hear a term like the perseverance of the saints, but there's a better idea that's for us today here. We can speak of the preservation of the saints. Three times, there's two in Psalms and one in the Proverbs. Three times God says, I preserve the soul of my saints. This is more about his preserving us and less about anyone preserving or persevering. God preserving, uh, preserving us and less of us persevering. Aren't you, you thankful? That's kind of exciting to us. It's not what you do. It's exciting that God is preserving us forever. We're going to live forever because Jesus Christ, because of Jesus Christ. So salt is symbolic of eternity for each one of us. Psalm 97 says, you who love the Lord, he says, hate evil. He, capital H, he preserves the souls of his saints. He delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. And then Proverbs 16, 17 says it this way, the highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He, capital H, who keeps his way, small h, he who keeps his way, preserves his soul. So you see, salt is a preservative. The idea of it is is that it preserves us. God preserves us. Now, don't miss this. Jesus is in famous, in this famous Sermon on the Mount, before he, or after he did all of the uh, blessed are those, he, Jesus, says, you are salt, you are the salt of the earth. Did you know you were the salt of the earth? Listen now, don't, don't miss it, because this is purpose. We seek purpose in our lives. God, what did you save me for? We as followers of Jesus have tremendous purpose in our lives. We, you and I, we are preserving this world from ending. We're preserving this world from ending. We as Christ followers, engaged followers, are preserving Tehachapi from decaying. In the spiritual realm, think of it that that way. We are preserving this world from ending. We're preserving Tehachapi from decaying. The more our society takes faith out, faith in Christian principles out of our culture, the sooner it will die. The faster it will come to an end. If all of, just think about it, if all of the godly influence in Tehachapi were completely taken out, what that would look like. Think about it. We, we took prayer out of schools, and what did we end up with? We pulled the Ten Commandments out from our society, from the public places of influence. 
And we all can see what has happened in our country. And as soon as you remove that influence, the preservative, the salt from our society, we have a problem. And as much as we'd all like to see it brought back into our culture, our state, and our country, these icons of the Christian faith, it really doesn't matter what's on our buildings, and it really doesn't matter what's done in our schools because Christians, godly people, are the salt of the earth. We are to be the salt of the earth. We are to be salt in those courtrooms. We are to be the salt of influence in our schools and in our grocery stores and in the, our public squares in our world. If our country has lost its way, it's not because uh, the, uh, that we've removed these symbols from our buildings uh, or our laws. It's because Christians have lost their influence because we as God's people have lost our preserving saltiness. God help every one of us. What we need today are salty Christians on school boards. Salty Christians on city councils. We need salty Christians in our legislature. It's time for salty Christians through the power of God in our lives to once again to have godly influence in this lost and decaying world, for salty Christians to speak godly values and to live out Christian principles that are meant to preserve and to bring flavor to and to have an engaging influence in our communities. That's our purpose. And from the word of God today, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. We are the salt of the earth. You see, we as Christians, we make the world taste good. How do you like your food? you like it with no salt? Maybe a doctor said you can't have any more salt. But it always flavors it. We make our world taste good. Hopefully, we all either have known or have been a Christian at times that didn't bring a good taste to those that were around us. But God forgive us of that, and he does. But dear Lord, help us today, for the word continues. It says this. It says, but, that transition, but if the salt, has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It says there in verse 13 that it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Now, don't take that wrong. That's not us as Christians. That's our influence. If it's not going to be salty, it's going to be taken and it might as well be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You see, if we as Christ followers, if we refused, if we refused to be salt, to be the godly influencers or godly followers, then we're good for nothing. I don't even like to say that, but it's true. That our influence for the kingdom of God, if we're not salty, if we're not influencing in godly values, then our influence is good for nothing. But you see, good salt, good salt makes God taste good to our world. Good salt, good influence. Understanding where people are at that are around us and knowing that they need careful attending to, to, to be cautious with them, to help them to, to understand that the, God's grace is drawing them and, and seeking them and wants to reach out to them. Careful attention to our saltiness, not gagging people with a, a whole bunch of salt and not leaving it all out completely. The world around us needs us. You, remember, you may remember last Week, the word said, taste and see that the Lord is good. 
When we walk as Jesus taught us, we can because we are salt. We can make the Lord taste good to others that are around us. As of about two weeks ago-ish, Lynn and I have been married for 36 years. 36 years. Wow. That's amazing, isn't it? it? What's really amazing is that we, you know, I'm only 28, you know, so how does it, well, you still look like you did the first day I married you. Okay. She doesn't even believe that. She goes, that's, that's rotten salt right there is what she's saying. But throughout our years as we've been through the, in the church since we met, uh, and, and even longer for me, we've had people who have come to us. And I know she has, and I know for sure that I have. The conversation will usually go like this. Man, you and Lynn, what a great couple you are. You guys are obviously just meant for each other. Uh, sometimes there are some that would say, I wish I could find someone like you found. They usually tell me that. They don't tell her that. They tell me that. If I could just find somebody like you found. Your love for one another is so obvious. And, and, and while I love Lynn with all my heart and I love our relationship and I, I don't know what I would do without her in my life, while these things are all true, these attributes do not emanate naturally from either one of us. They don't. Our relationship is what it is because of what Christ has done in our lives. As we both have purpose to be the salt that God has called us to be, and as we do, we sometimes bring a desired flavor to others. Not all the time, but sometimes to some. You see, people don't see that from us because we're perfect. They don't sense anything desirable because we have it all figured out. The only thing that brings a good taste is that we want to be engaged with others, influencing them to trust in Jesus for the good of their marriage, for the good of their relationships, for the good of their own uh, effectiveness in the life that God's called them to. Build your house together on the rock. That is Jesus. That's how to have a lasting relationship. That's how we bring flavor to a bland, flavorless world. We live out our faith in front of others. Perfect? No. Transparent? Yes. And sometimes we act out not very salty or not very good salt, and we say, God, forgive me, and, and would you forgive me? You had to see that. I didn't want you to have to see that. Would you forgive me? Don't just go to somebody and say, I'm sorry you had to see that. See you later. No, God, uh, you know what? That's not what God wants from my life. And I apologize that that happened in front of you. I apologize that it happened at all. Would you forgive me for that? Oh, you don't have to have to. Yeah, I do, actually, because I have an influence in your life. It's not me. It's Christ in me. And I'm, I, I am spreading that wherever I go. I'm spreading something wherever I go. Okay? Simply put, we are salt. You might ask, how do we lose our saltiness? How, how do we get there? How does salt become bad? I'm glad you asked that. You see, and, and get ready, this is really exciting. I, I think you'll, you'll like this. You see, salt in the natural 
Now we'll get back to not the spiritual, but the natural salt. It's found underground. And it's right up next to the rock. Some of you might have just got there. The salt, the pure salt, the clean and pure salt is right up next to the rock. 1 Corinthians says that they all drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So it's right up there. We as salt, we're right up there next to the rock, and it purifies by the washing over of the water. Now we're back to underground salt. As the water comes over the rock and washes over the salt, it purifies it. It cleans it out. It makes it pure. You see, it says in Ephesians that we are washed by the water of the word. So you see, if we want to remain pure and not contaminated by the impurities of this world that seek to make us tasteless, the way that we stay pure and savory is to stay right up close to the rock and let the water of his word wash over us and purify us. That's how we stay salty in an unsavory world. Stay close to Jesus and in the word. Stay in the word and close to him. Otherwise, we could all end up tasteless without flavor or influence. We could all end up with our witness thrown out and trampled in the streets. You see, here's a salty question. Why should we get married before we ever have sex and live together? Because we have a witness. It's not just about a physical activity. It's not just about one rent. It's about an influence that we have in the world that represents somebody way bigger than we are. As Jesus followers, why should we not swear at people and show them sign language when they cut us off on 58? Because we have a witness that is meant to make God taste good. Why should we not lie about others, steal from others? And why is it that we believe as Christ followers that we shouldn't get drunk or have extramarital affairs or keep all of our money to ourselves and never give to others? Why is it that we actually, in the day that we live, give 10% of our income to a church and and go above and beyond and even give to a building project when things are already kind of tight financially? Why do we do or not do certain things? It's because we're showing others that we don't trust in horses and chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. It's meant that they might see and say, what, what is it with you? What do you mean? Well, you don't go to all the parties with us. What's your problem? I don't have a problem. I just don't think I should go. Well, why not? Well, because I think God has something else for me. Well, you think you're better than me? Not at all. I'm worse off if I go. Well, I don't, you don't seem to use the language that we use. Why not? I don't think that's how God wants me to talk. Or are you saying that you're better? No, not at all. I, do you understand that the influence causes people to ask those questions? So if we act like the world, hey, let's just try this out, honey. Hey, cut me off, I'll show you. If we act like the world, our influence is thrown out and trampled underfoot. Everybody just see us as they see the rest of the world. Huh, there's another angry 
Democrat or Republican, whatever they are. Everybody's angry. There's another one. But when they see us full of joy and peace and happiness, hey, what's up with you? What? I don't know. You just seem happy. Well, you know, happy's a choice. <laughs> and God is with me. Thanks be to God. Oh, you're a religious type. Well, yeah, I guess so. It's because we are to be salt. And that salt is meant to reach and to engage, to influence and shine a bright light in the very dark world that we live. You say, that, I don't like that. That's judgmental, pastor. That's too difficult. I can't live like that. I'm not perfect. I'm unable to be that. And you're right. You can't. I can't either. But through Christ, we all can. For it's not by might nor by strength, says the Lord, but by my spirit. Staying close to the rock and in his word is what will give us the strength and the power to be worth our salt. And listen, a little salt goes a long way. Charles Dickens said this. He said, a little goes a long way. He said, it's amazing how small changes can make a big difference. He stated, a very little key will open a very heavy door. More often than not, he says, it doesn't take much to make improvements in your life. If you're trying to reach a goal or make a change, start with the small steps, he says. They will take you far. You see, it's not on our own strength that we are able to influence the world that's around us. But as we follow hard after God, as we stay close to the rock of ages and allow the water of his word to wash over all of us, cleansing us and purifying us from all forms of the patterns of this world, what emanates from our lives, it will make God taste good to the world around us in the hearts and the lives of those that we come into contact. Perfect? No. Forgiven and flavorful? Yes. Growing up, we were taught to say at the dinner table, would you please pass the salt? Nowadays, I can't remember the name of it. I point at it and look at Linga. Uh, uh, uh. And she says, what do you, what do you want? Uh, uh. I don't know why I can't remember what the white stuff on the table is called. Do you know where my, um, my, um, uh, your keys are? Yes, my keys are. But, but when I was younger and had a younger mind, I would say, we were taught, would you please pass the salt? And as Christ followers today, we should pass the salt to an increasingly tasteless world that we live. What the world needs is an ever-expanding number of salty, engaged followers, salty Christians who stimulate the spiritual appetites of everyone that we come into contact with. Jesus Christ was not a passive person. No, he wasn't at all. He engendered strong opinion during his lifetime. He was the salt of the earth, the word says, and the people's lives changed as they encountered his, his ways, encountered him. Christ followers of T. Naz, would you please pass the salt? For God's sake, pass the salt. Yes, for God's sake, let, let's see some more salt. God needs us to present his message to his world in an exciting way. We are to be the salt of the, of the earth. It, 
it, it takes very little effort these days to be tasteless in our world. No effort at all. And nobody will blink an eye if you'll get in line with the rest of the line and be as nasty and negative as some are. But God wants us to be salty followers, not in a racy, earthly sense, but in an engaged, influencing sense. As Christians, we need to enrich the lives of others, having an engaging manner about us. We should cause people who meet us to comment, wow, he's so friendly, he's so, he's so refreshing, she is so delightful, her, her faith just makes her come alive and sparkle. That's what they should say of us. Followers of Jesus should never become completely satisfied with themselves. We must always believe that, they're, that we are in the hands of God, ready for remolding as needed, but we ought to be willing to pass his salt in whatever way that he commands us to. Not my will, O Lord, but yours be done in my life is the Christian's prayer. Does your life, does your life ever bore you? Are you thinking, what is this all for? If it does, then risk it. Risk your life this week. No, not daredevil style. Rather, risk it in the service of the Lord of the universe. Tina, as followers of Jesus, would you please pass the salt? Stand with me, will you? Father, we give you thanks for this wonderful day that we share together, and your word is so strong and powerful. Lord, you know right where we live. You know right what we need, just what we need, right when we need it. And Lord, I'm thankful in my own life for those that were the salt, and we didn't even get to the light. Those that were salt and light to me in my life, they pointed towards a more perfect way. Uh, not that I could possibly attain it, but Lord, they, they, they didn't say, look at me. They said, look at Jesus. Look at him. Lord, help us to be reflectors of your light like that. Help us to be the salt that you've called us to be, Lord, to influence, to preserve uh, the world that we're living in, Lord, while you're doing the work of drawing people through your grace. It's hard sometimes, Lord, and when we blow it, I just pray that we'd, we'd ask those around us, just forgive us. We're going to blow it. But, Lord, may we obtain and, and draw the line back where it belongs, not lower the standard. Lord, when we ask somebody to forgive us of an attitude that we had, we're reestablishing the line that you've created for us, not making a new one that just says, hey, I can't help it. So, Lord, help us to reach out to one another and say, would you forgive me for that? Because there's a better way. There's a more salty way, a way that God's called us to be. And then, Lord, as our, as our community sees us, may they not think that we're holy rollers or, or better than other people. We, no, might they just... Might it point to you? Might our actions and the things that we don't do, might they, they point to you? Not because you don't want us to have fun or enjoy our lives, but, Lord, you've instituted some things for us that keep us safe and to help us to be the kind of people that you've called us to be. So I pray that for these, your people, they go out into the world. I get to be here every day. They go out in the world every day. They work with people who are stuck in their ways who might even persecute them a little bit for having some kind of story. Lord, help us to bait our hook. Help us to, help us to put it in the water and help us to fish where there's fish, Lord, because they need to hear our story of the peace that you've brought into our lives. Do that in, the, in our lives this week, Lord. And if we don't get to see many people, help us to get out. Get out and go see people.
Lord, that we might bring a saltiness to this world that we live. Flavorful. Might we help make God taste good to the world around us. We give you thanks for it. We ask your blessing on these, your people, as we go. Uh, may this day be extraordinary as we see and come into contact with other people. We give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a wonderful, wonderful day and week in Jesus' name.